You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. My friend Brad Underwood completed his basketball playing career at Kansas State in 86, the same year I graduated from K-State, and in 1988 became the head coach at Don City Community College. Over the next 18 years in coaching, Underwood divided his time between being a head coach in the junior college ranks and had an extended stint as an assistant coach at Western Illinois in the middle of that. Then in 2006, Underwood's career took a drastic turn when new K-State head coach Bob Huggins hired Brad out of Daytona Community College as an assistant coach for the Wildcats. When Huggins left a year later, Underwood stayed in Manhattan with Frank Martin, and when Martin departed for South Carolina in 2012, Underwood, who was then Martin's associate head coach, tried to become K-State's next coach, but Bruce Weber was instead hired. So Underwood went to South Carolina with Martin. One year later, Underwood became the head coach at Stephen F. Austin in Texas, where his teams won three straight conference and postseason tournament titles. He then spent one year at Oklahoma State, and after a little disagreement with the AD over his contract, Underwood was hired at Illinois, where he just completed his third season with a 21-10 record and a fourth-place finish in the Big Ten. And just when Underwood had the Illini knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament, the coronavirus pandemic forced the cancellation of the remainder of the season. Brad Underwood and I go way back. He graduated from McPherson High School in 1982, which is just south of my hometown in Salina, Kansas, where I also graduated from Central High School in 1982. One of my best friends, Kevin Muff, and Brad shared a spot on the All-State basketball team that year, and we all knew each other through childhood basketball camps. Although, admittedly, Brad and Kevin played at a much higher level than myself. Brad's wife, Susan, and I grew up together in Salina. Yes, we have some very deep roots, and it's going to be great to catch up with my friend Brad, who is now in Champaign, Illinois. Hello. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Can't complain. What is filling your time these days? What can you do right now? Oh, uh, you know what? Spend it all on the phone. Yeah. And a and a computer screen. And uh, you know, we zoom a couple times a week with our players. Main main thing is really with your current players is the academic situation is so different. <laughs> Staying on top of that, and then uh, you know, recruiting. Recruiting so different, you know, because of phone calls and 
And, uh, you know, we're not in person seeing them. So you watch a lot of film. And yeah. So just a, it's, it's, it's junior college recruiting. <laughs> well, you've got some background in it. So it probably. Yeah, help. it's exactly what it is. It's Juco recruiting. It's just a just a, you know, different. And then I'm trying to watch what I eat and trying to lose a bunch of weight and trying to walk every day. But. The weather hasn't been super cooperative with that. It's been so. It's been beautiful in your home state, although it just poured rain. I was afraid we were going to have thunderstorm sounds in the background of our podcast, but it's, it broke a little bit ago. Susan, Susan just talked to her sister in uh, Salina and said they just had a bunch of bad hail. Yeah, we just got barely a little bit of hail. Yeah, it's rolling through here. I don't know what what got into the state of Kansas, but it's it was an incredible weekend, so we were able to get outside in the yard a little bit. Uh, Good. Losing weight isn't easy right now. You kind of I don't know. You end up ordering food in. You're trying to be selective on what you eat. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. I've got three women in my life that are making my life. Um, every time I walk by the fridge, every time I walk by the by the pantry, but. Uh, I need to. It's hard. It's uh, you know, it's it's hard during the season when you're Just, traveling and yep. and you you know and you eat with your team or whatever. It gets to be gets to be hard to lose it. So yeah, those meals aren't made for fifty year old men. They're made for young guys. Absolute. To pack on weight. Yeah, and burn four thousand calories yeah. a day. And, yep. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It gets a little restless. I ventured out the other day for the first time. I've realized I can't venture out. I went to the Home Depot. We need to do some stuff around the house and got the daylight scared out of me. I didn't realize how paranoid I am because 90, well, that's an exaggeration. 75% of the people weren't wearing masks and and I was a little freaked out. So I'll, I'll just be here in my house and in my yard for the next upteen months, I think, until we feel a lot better about what things are going on. And and uh, hopefully we can get back somewhat to normal. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, here we've got, you know, our state's, our state's not good. I mean, uh, of course, with Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it's like two different you know, worlds with Chicago and then the rest of Illinois. Yes. And, uh, you just can't, you can't, uh, you know, scares, scares you to death with higher ed and what that will look like and classes and dorms. And, yeah. but, um, well, so uh, I don't know how higher ed will function if they don't get campuses open at some point this fall. I just don't know how they'll pay the bills. They can't. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's, you know, and, and you're, you're going to see, you know, I likened it to, and, and, and this is much worse. You know, when when I was in Florida, um, and I was coaching at Daytona Beach, you know, there there was it was so expensive. The community college system in Florida was booming because of uh, it was it was so inexpensive, and kids were staying at home, and and uh, you know, it's I've got a daughter who'll be a freshman. And I'm not sending her to school when she can stay right here in my house. You know, she's going to go to Miami of Ohio and, um, you know, I'm not going to pay out of state tuition for basic gen ed classes. I'll just keep her at home and, and, uh, have her go to Parkland junior college. Yeah. Pick off all the, yeah. Pick off all the basics and 
be done and, with that. You know, and, and you know, Tyler's going to finish a master's degree in June, and then I think he's actually going to go back and and get another master's degree in finance. But, you know, a lot of his stuff is, is online. But then Katie, my oldest, is going to be a junior, and I mean – I don't want her taking all of her classes online. I mean, it's not, That's you sick. know, you know, she's like, well, I may just take a year off. And so we'll see. Yeah. It's strange. How the hell did Tyler become that old? What the hell? Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, it is, it is nice. And by rule, he's still got another year of eligibility left. So he's not sure, you know, I'd like to get him in the NBA, but uh, you know, that's, that's, debacles still ongoing as well. So, you know, they're, they're on hold as much as we are. So, yeah, I, I don't know how a lot of entities are going to function without getting classes going and honestly getting college football going. that's going to just wreck a lot of athletic departments budgets. If they do it, even if they do it without fans and don't have that revenue, it's still going to be a mess. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, and you get, it's exhausting to, uh, it's exhausting just to think of all the scenarios Yeah, and you have, you have to, but it's, it, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's people a lot smarter than me. I think have to figure that out. I can't imagine, you know, being a ticket manager and, and, mm. you know, our star stadium seats 60,000 saying, well, you can only have 15,000 people in there and figuring out who, how to seat that yeah. and who, and who gets them. And, but, uh, you know, it's just a unprecedented times, I guess, and, and different challenges that we all have to overcome. I agree. I agree. It's uh weird times. I, I don't know. I'm just going to stay here in my house, Brad. Just be, just, I'm, I, I tell people, <laughs> I don't uh, I'll just be a hermit. That's fine. That's cool. I don't, uh, I don't blame you. That's what we've done here for 45 days or 46 yeah. days. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, other than I haven't been brave enough yet to let Susan cut my hair. Uh, oh my God. You know, What's your hair look like? I, I've got a, uh, I've got the 1980s mullet going, that's you know, I, that that's the, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, we'll have the, maybe, maybe a little grayer, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. It, we, we wear a hat a lot. <laughs> we wear a hat a lot. My hair is approaching a half inch long, which is about the longest it's been in <laughs> 10 years. I feel like a damn hippie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's I, I can say I'm fortunate I've still got hair, but boy, is it uh, it's getting a little grayer and and, uh, and a lot lot longer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we got old. And that's been one of the great things is you know we've kind of gone back through some things and and uh, gosh, I mean, uh, came across a picture of an article that was done maybe in the Collegian back in the day, and it was Kevin Muff and myself. Yep. And, standing next to each other and and uh you know we were both a lot skinnier well he's still you know he's you know kevin but but uh yeah it was like he still play yeah he'd probably he he could probably uh he could probably go lift with about anybody and 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 at least get up and down and look the part for four or five trips and then he would but yeah he's he's doing great (laughs) 
I, I, he's back coaching high school, and I can't imagine how he puts the fear of God in those high school boys. Oh, have a coach this size. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But uh, no, he's he's done great, and it's uh, it's uh, you know it's amazing. I mean, he's a he's a grandpa now, and gotten older, and kids have grown up, and out of the house, and I'm an empty nester, and couple months and crazy life goes by quickly i know those playing days you were in the kind of the last generation to play in a hern field house what are your memories of that old barn you know it, i've said it uh many times and of course it's it a lot of it, unless you were in it um you know it was probably one of those buildings that that looked really cool from the outside and then you walked in it when it was empty and you go man what a what a dump yep I know. what a dump you know there's the out the track and and um and then you know you saw it set up for game day and it looked a little better and you know all the just bleachers and and um and then you put 11,000 in there and, and and I think that's close to what it held or 10,600 whatever it was and 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 then you had the the afternoon game with the sun the sunlight and you go man this place is really cool and then when you actually played in there and realized how loud it is it to this day I say it's 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 still the loudest building I've ever been in and uh uh just the uh like, like you think about where the old TV commentators used to sit opposite the benches, you know, right, right there in the front row with the students. Yep. And, um, you know, you couldn't have asked for, a um, uh, maybe a worse press box up above and, it was you know, and, but it was, it, it, you know, it's one of those arenas that just had unbelievable character on game day and, and the windows on the side and the sunlight coming in and hitting you just right. Man, it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. That was an awesome building and I'm glad I got to play in it. it. And it was, it was fun. I mean, you still, I can still feel the juices starting to percolate a little bit, you know, when, when you, when you ran out of that court and, 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 uh, that was pretty fun, pretty fun. Yeah. I go around and cover games and I, you know, Bramlage gets pretty loud. And of course, Allen Fieldhouse gets pretty loud. And, and I, maybe it's just fondly remembering my youth, but nothing, nothing compares to the noise that a Hearn Fieldhouse could generate when you couldn't shout to the person next to you and, communicate they nobody could hear anybody other than this wave of noise it was probably wholly unhealthy for our eardrums but it was a magical place but yeah there's no question i mean i mean that was probably the one of the beauties of timeouts back that day was um was i, I never ever you know heard coach hartman in timeouts that was probably a really good thing because he was probably screaming at me but <laughs> but it was um yeah i mean you couldn't hear you just couldn't hear, and that was really before the time when you you saw teams move move chairs out towards the free throw line. You know, uh, you were right. You were just right there, and the, uh, it was awesome, man. That was that was a loud building, and and I try to be very objective and not let just simple pride, you know, because I'm a K stater, you know, say that's the loudest building. But man, it, it it's right there as loud as anything I've ever been in. 
Uh, it had to be our junior or senior years of high school. I was sitting in the student <laughs> section. I'd driven up from Salina to go to a game, and it was Indiana. And I remember Coach Knight slamming down his clipboard because he couldn't communicate with his team in the in the huddle. Mm-hmm. And just walked away. Just walked away. And that's, you know, we weren't taking extended timeouts back then for television advertising. The band was playing. The crowd was going. And uh, it was just on. It was an unimaginable wave of noise always coming at the opponent. Well, and Fitz, the other thing that was great, and, and to me, it's it's it's. I, I I really date myself here, but it it's. Remember where the concessions were in there? You smelled the popcorn. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, you 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 come in, and I mean, to me, that was. I smell a good good batch of popcorn being made, and I mean, to me, that's college basketball. That's the that's the um, the Ahern Fieldhouse game day. You know, and uh, you're just like, yeah, this, this is this 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 is the way it's supposed to be. But uh, you know, now we're expansive and concessions are, you know, we you can't even find them. But uh, that was they were right there, and that that was awesome. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. They were just basically the the bleachers were there, and they were just behind the bleachers and yep. court level, open air, pretty incredible. Yeah, it. Uh, K-State's going to play in the, the Big 12 Big East Challenge for the, the first year of it at, or I guess it's the second year of it, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And I, I kind of wish K-State had done what they've done with Hinkle and preserved it in some way, but the cost. Have, have, you, ever been, have you ever been in Hinkle? No, I have not. So the first time I've ever been in Hinkle was this year. And, uh, in fact, we were practicing in Hinkle when the Big Ten tournament was canceled. And um, it, it is incredible similarities. I mean, I was in awe. I had to walk around. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, it was just like almost deja vu. I'm back in Ahern. And the, the court runs a different direction. Yeah. Different the, court, yeah. And, uh, but just the nostalgia. And you, you just, you, you feel basketball in there. And you just, it's got a different, you know, and even, even our guys, uh, were like, Hey man, this place is, this, this place is pretty doggone cool. But, uh, that's the first time I'd been there. I haven't played a game in there. I can only imagine if it's anywhere close to the level of noise that Ahern was, it's uh, it's pretty awesome home court. Oh, basketball and those old, old barns, pretty cool time of basketball. And then everyone started building the generic stuff and, uh, you got to make it feel like home. Kansas State's finally looking at a plan to uh, take out that west side of Bramlage and put in tunnel entrances on that side where fans can enter more closely to court level. It'll be interesting. I don't know how they're going to do it, and I don't know how they're going to play a season in the interim. But, of course, all that kind of stuff's on hold right now with with everything going on. Yeah, we've got a here – at, here at Illinois, we've got a practice facility – you know, thirty-five million dollar remodel that's um, you know in the process, and and uh, you know everybody's got different challenges because of this. But uh, sometimes, sometimes newer and bigger isn't always better. And right. and uh, you know those old those old places, if you put a little makeup on them, can be can be awfully inspiring. Still today, the, the really sad thing about Ahern is it's literally on its last legs. The state doesn't have money to keep up academic building so Ahern's really fallen in disrepair and about the only thing left in there is 
indoor track and and volleyball and they're in the process of fundraising to change all that and they'll have a volleyball arena out by Bramlage and about you know 2,000 seats appropriate for volleyball they'll build a new indoor practice facility for football and put indoor track in the old practice facility and it's going to be I don't know what they'll do with the Hearn Fieldhouse I I hate to think of them ever tearing it down uh, but it is an expensive, expensive piece of property to try to keep up and out of disrepair, and it's it's getting there pretty pretty quickly, and it's kind of a metaphor for college athletics right now. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, Fitz, I mean, the locker rooms and the, the guts of, of Ahern were not um, – you know, they weren't great. I mean, you know, I can, I can still remember, I mean, just the little corner offices, that the basketball offices were, and, you know, I'm sure those are academic uh, offices now, but uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, going back to the mid eighties. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't stellar then. So I can imagine what time has done to, um, to that, but yeah, I, I hope they never have to tear that building down and, but I, I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's what happens. You tear down the old, build the new and, and something else will go up there. That'll be really, really nice. But uh, with that, a lot of memories and, and uh, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of quality events happened in there. That really did. Uh, shifting gears, going back to a topic we touched on early. Uh, how concerned are you? Maybe not about your student athletes, but student athletes in general that we're going to see a lot of, if they get things going in the fall, like, like usual, somewhat like usual. There's going to be a lot of guys like, uh, I'm not eligible. I didn't get my stuff done when I was quarantined at home. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's, uh, I, I hope, I hope coaches, I hope, um, you know, administrations um, have, have, have worked through that. I, I think there's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of the, the uh, you know, we're talking about the 100-year the pandemic. We're talking about something that just go back to the Spanish flu, yeah. you know, in 1918. And, and, you know, we're not talking about something that we've seen before. So I hope everybody's got um, a sense of understanding, a sense of common sense to know that things have been very different, um, that, that we haven't had these young people on our campus, uh, that every socioeconomic background is different. Not everybody has access to computers and Wi-Fis, and, and it is challenging. There's international students who um, couldn't go home. And uh, so I, I hope there's a, um, a real logical, common sense approach to helping everybody just get through this. And, and not a, uh, let's create more problems, um, type of mentality. And, uh, you know, it is something we haven't, we haven't seen, but I hope coaches and administrators have been holding holding their, their, their people responsible and accountable for as much as, as, as they can, when you can't touch them and, and, and see them face to face. So, We'll see what that process looks like, but it, you know, I, I I got a feeling that as you said, it will be different. I hope you really have to try not to be eligible. You know, I hope they, they yes. understand that some people's environments. You don't have good internet. You might have multiple people trying to get on one computer. It's just it's not as easy for a lot of these student athletes as it is for uh, me here in little old Manhattan, Kansas, to to stay in touch with things. 
Well, and you, you know, your your incoming your incoming students. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you think about junior colleges and kids having to graduate from a junior college, and and yet maybe in you know there are different parts where they where they don't have access to those things and they don't have the support system that they need. And uh, you know, you've got uh, ACTs and SATs tests that weren't taken. You know, kids were counting on taking two or three more times and bumping up that score. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the government shuts those down. So, you know, there's a lot of scenarios. There's a lot of layers to everything uh, about that. And, I, and like I said, I just hope common sense plays out because it's not just a student athlete's fault. A lot of times it can be circumstances as well as anything else. What's your gut tell you? Are you going to have a college basketball season? Uh, football season comes along and then college basketball on the heels, somewhat normal? I think we'll start with them. Um, I, I worry about uh, whether we'll have fans at them. Yeah. And I think that, that that may be some limitations. I don't know. I, this is, this is, Fitz, this is a guess. Um, you know, I, I maybe worry a little more about basketball. Because it's indoors, obviously it's not open air, and it's in the winter, yeah. and and it's you know it's the time the flu comes back. It's uh, you know, it, granted it doesn't affect you know eighteen to twenty two year olds with near the way it affects you know the older generation, and uh, I, I worry a little bit about that. You know, a, a, a round two may be happening uh, as we as we get into basketball season and and what that looks like at least until we get a vaccine. Um, but I hope we have testing. I hope we have um, ways to, 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 to monitor that. And I think we will. We've got a lot of smart people, uh, not only at, in, at each of our universities, but doctors, physicians, scientists. So I, I, I would like to think that we've come a long way in, in, in the last 40 days since we were quarantined or 45 days. That in another 45, we can even be further along. Yeah, that's been my point. We've we've moved so far in the last 45 days, and things seem to be accelerating on testing, getting improved testing, quick turnaround testing, and those type of things. That you know, another 45 days, we're still in June, and yes, and yes, we will be farther down the road. And I don't know. I'm really torn. I, you know, a guy like me, I, I've got to be careful, uh, but I also want to try to get society back to as normal as quickly as possible without threatening people because we talked about higher education we got a lot of small businesses that won't open already they won't they won't even open back up let alone extending this and the impact it'll have not just on the economy but on the lives behind those businesses and and the owners and just the other collapse of their finances yeah, you just it's, it's impacted everybody in the world and and in in some way and um you know we we talk about it and you know I think the one thing that you know I've tried to approach this is you know so often as a coach and 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 you maybe in 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 your profession you know we always want to look at things on an academic calendar you know coronavirus doesn't give a darn about an academic calendar and, um, you know, nor does most of the, of, of the world. So, you know, it's not going to just line up perfectly and, Hey, we can have a football season or we can have a basketball season and school starts in August and, and, um, it doesn't quite work that way. So, but I, but I do think that the longer that we can wait, the, uh, the better chance we have of, 
of making a really educated, smart decision. And again, you know, Fitz, these things aren't easy, man. I mean, you're talking about the government, the state government, you're talking about conferences, institutions. I mean, there's a lot of levels of hierarchy that, that this comes down to and, and, uh, and have to okay this thing before we, we, uh, we move forward. I've been a proponent for the last few years, and it's a huge break with tradition of when basketball season is, is making it a one-semester sport and starting in January and having May Madness. That might be on the table for this, to get us out of the basketball being through the heart of winter and you know get the, the postseason, at least on the back end, about this time of year and when it's a little bit warmer and nicer and maybe things will break again. I don't know. I, I mean, I... I don't, I think everything's on the table. I, you know, I think that we could see, we could see a level of moving the football season back. I, I mean, I, I really, I really do think that we're going to have a football season. I really do think that, that we'll get back, uh, to, to some level. I don't know why I think that I, I, you know, I can sit and listen to the, all the pundits and, and, but I do think that in 45 days, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, better idea of what this thing looks like. And I do think we will, I think we'll, we'll have more testing and we'll have a better, a better handle on this thing. But, uh, uh, but I do think we'll have it and it may be just in different time frames. and you know what? Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Let's figure out uh, the best way to do it and the safest way. And then, you know, we can all adjust accordingly. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus. Official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Uh, how frustrating was that to get into the Big Ten tournament and all of a sudden it's done? It's just over. I mean, it just... That was just so unprecedented. What happened and how quickly it took place? Yeah, we were on the court and uh, we had a bye. We didn't play till Friday, and and um, actually a double bye. There was a games on Wednesday, and uh, we were actually in Indianapolis. We'd gone in Wednesday night, and uh, uh, Fred Hoiberg got sick and left the bench. Oh, that's right. And so everybody's like, oh boy. And that was, that was right about the, the, the time, uh, Rudy Gobert had, had tested positive. And, and so everybody's worried. Well, I, I'm, I text with Fred about, uh, midnight that night. And I said, Hey, how you doing? You know, what's, what's going on? He said, Hey, I don't have it. Uh, you know, just everything's fine. I just dehydrated. And anyway, so we're like, okay. And you know, even if we play with no fans, we were going to be excited to play. And we kind of braced our team for that. So we're practicing the next morning uh, at, uh, at Butler. And my sports information director comes down. He says, hey, both teams are on the court warming up. And I'm like, yes. And um, we start practice. And, I mean, we are 
we don't know who our opponent is. So it's going to be a pretty general practice. And, but we were going to get up and down a little bit and, and, um, you can, you can tell our energy was really good and they were excited to be in Hankel. And, um, about 10 minutes later, he comes over and he said, they pulled him off the court. The tournament's off. And Fitz, we were so good in practice. I just, I just let our guys practice. We went for another hour and 20 minutes. I kind of changed the scrap, the, the practice plan. Um, you know, we did competitions, baseline out of bounds, first team to five, you know, to, to execute five out of bounds. And then we did uh, half court versus zone, half court versus man, played little games. And it, it might have been the best practice of the year. And we were coming off playing. We'd been playing really well. Um, and then I huddled the team up and told them, I said, Hey, the tournament's off. We don't know about the NCAA tournament yet. We're going to go back to hotel and, and eat and, um, and then let's plan on leaving. And by the, really, by the time we got home, the tournament was off, um, was on the phone with a lot of head coaches on the drive back, just trying to, you know, see if we could just not cancel it, but postpone it. And of course it was so big. Uh, and so many factors that uh, literally by the time we got back, it was uh, pretty well documented. It was going to be off and, and we met and uh, we were on spring break and we let our players go. And we haven't seen them since. So it was, it's a, it's a, it's the most, one of the hardest conversations with a team I've had to have uh, because we knew how well we were playing. We felt like we, we had, everything you need to, to make a deep run in March. We had great guards. We had a great, great, uh, actually two guys who could go get baskets on their own. We were one of the top rebounding teams in the country. Uh, we weren't turning it over very much. And, and um, you know, it was just a, uh, a team that I felt like could, could really make a run, but uh, you know, you feel for those seniors, you know, we've been building here for this is year three and we've been building and, and um, you know, for those seniors to go through all that process and the speed bumps and the, um, and, and the process of, of getting there and not just step foot on that court. Uh, I felt terrible for them. And, and my son was part of that. Um, you know, you just have a different level of, um, of, of, of angst for them. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, you got to flip it into a positive and we had, we did a lot of great things and we've gotten better. And, and, um, you know, we, we chose to talk about the positives and, and not, uh, not, not think about the what ifs. You, you went into this season though, and, and kind of reinvented what you wanted to do on the court, didn't you? You, you really dug into to some analytics and decided we need to do some different things, and it worked. Yeah, I was really frustrated after after our my second year here, and part of it was we were really young. We had eight new guys, and we played a really difficult schedule. and And, and I knew we were we were so young and immature. We winning would be a challenge. We got better, but there were some systemic things that we were not good at, and the, the, that I knew we had to change to uh, to really. And it, it came down to this: Can we go on the road in the Big Ten and win, and do that in a way where we don't have to shoot fifty percent every night to do that? And um, I, I actually brought in a, a, a young guy who's uh, who's a K State student. And he's one of my, my son's best friends, a young man named Neil Ganta, 
uh, loves analytics and had, had been tinkering around with a bunch of stuff. And so he came in and, and he started say, what do you want to, what do you want to look at? And so we started looking at free throws. We started looking at three point percentage, rebounding, offensive rebounding, all the sweet 16 teams last year and all the big 10 teams in the last few years. And, uh, and then we took all of my teams from SFA to Oklahoma state and, and the teams here and where would we rank in these categories? And it was astonishing. It was, it was, it was very different. I had to decipher, um, and knew some changes had to be made. And, um, um, so, you know, we did some things defensively, uh, you know, we weren't near as, uh, near as aggressive. Uh, we, we actually went from second in the country in steals to dead last in the Big Ten, um, and in that way, we went from 338 the year before in fouls committed uh, to top ten this year in in fewest fouls, and um, you know that all had something to to, to do with it, and uh, and then we did some different things offensively that to um, I've, I've always changed offensively the emphasis and some of the things we do, but uh, we made some pretty dramatic changes. We had the big kid this year, Kofi Coburn at seven foot two ninety, uh, that, that posed some different problems for people. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big overhaul to be quite honest. And, and yet, uh, uh, you know, we tried to, to, to minimize that change to our players so we could, I didn't want them to feel like it was a whole change. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty minimal, but we, by the end of the year, we got really, really good defensively and, and we weren't a great shooting team, but, uh, we had got enough guys who could score and we were a great offensive rebounding team. Those are core philosophies right there. You defend without fouling and, and go get the board because you can't make every shot. That's, that's what I was used to seeing from uh, your teams. It's funny how you went about kind of uh, getting at it at a different angle. Yeah, we stunk in our second year. I mean, we just weren't good fits. I mean, we were we – were, and part of it was youth – uh, but, uh, we couldn't go on the road and, and, you know, it's, it's this league, the, the big 10 so un, uh, unbelievable on the road and, uh, it, you know, every place really with the exception of Penn state sells out. Um, and, uh, um, you know, we just, we, we couldn't. We, we, we weren't good enough. We weren't tough enough defensively and, and going on the road and winning, you know, trying to be aggressive and fouling too much just was a really bad combination. And, and really the analytics proved that. And, uh, uh, we didn't, my teams have always gotten to the foul line a bunch and, and, and a year ago we did not. So everything was, I mean, we were literally minus eight starting every game at the foul line and in a league where, most of your games are two possession games. We couldn't overcome it. Yeah. So we had to make those changes and, and, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they helped us and, and worked out a lot, uh, pretty well for us. When you're recruiting defense is so important to your philosophy as it is for a lot of coaches. Uh, do you just, do you look for the best athlete and think I can teach him defensive philosophies or do, do you see guys that their defense jumps out at you and you think the opposite will get him worked in on offense, but this guy's quality on defense? Well, I, I look more for their motor. Um, you know, I think you, you know, every coach feels like they're going to get guys to, to somewhat 
do what they want him to do. Uh, the other piece to that, though, is is IQ, uh, and and everybody everybody has a different philosophy um, in terms of you know how they may not help out of the corner and on the strong side and you know whatever it is uh, how they handle ball screens and uh, you know I think the one thing that that we've tried to do is is guys that play very very hard. Those always get those guys stick out, especially in today's world anyway. And then we want guys that, uh, uh, you know, we really try to dig into their character. We and, and I think one of the underappreciated things in, in recruiting is winning and um, winning's really hard. And we try to recruit guys from winning programs. Now, um, there's also really good players that play on teams that haven't won. And that's where you got to dig into their character. But um, you know, it, it, it gets really hard at the high major level, in my opinion, to play guys, no matter how talented they are, um, if they keep making mistakes. And uh, so effort, uh, character, IQ, all of that stuff plays into it. And, and uh, um, you know, you make a mistake in this league and they make they make you pay. And this league's an extremely skilled league great coaches that, that schematically are going to, they're going to pick on that guy. And, uh, uh, so, you know, we recruit athletes, but, but, uh, I recruit character as much as I, you know, I always say I want character over characters and, um, and then I want guys that, that, that play really hard. Sure. At this level, they got to have a certain skill set, but, uh, uh, we'll always take a, a what we call a hard rocking cat, you know, we're always going to take those guys because they, they fit what we do. I think you just summed up why I never succeeded in basketball. I had no motor. I, <laughs> I was like, uh, the covered wagon. I could get you there. It's going to take a long time for my motor being lacking. I, I could shoot it. Uh, I didn't want to do anything else. Yeah, see, my mo- my motor was all on one end, and it didn't have anything to do with defense. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's why I I found that I, ironic about your coaching. I, I'm like, I don't remember Brad being a good defender. I just don't remember that. No, Fitz, I was the greatest help defender of all time. As soon as my guy caught the ball, I just started screaming help. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess you emphasize what you stink at. And, uh, I wasn't very good at that end. And, and by golly, I'm going to try to make up for, for my lack of uh, defensive prowess by at least getting my teams to do it. I, I look back at the time when, you know, your senior year in high school, Kevin Muff, there was a Knight brother at Salina South. Who was it at Sacred Heart? That was really good. The region from McPherson, Salina, that whole central Kansas region had some incredible high school basketball players. Just amazing. You know what? And it had had really good coaches. And, and I go back, and I mean, this is this was such a part of our culture growing up. And it was right there in your hometown in Salina. It was Heart of America Sports Camps. Yeah, that's that's where, and I mean, where we got acquainted. Actually, those those camps were legendary. And uh, I, I tell people all the time. I mean, that's where I learned how to really, really compete. And, um, you know, the, they, we had great coaches there, but, you know, we all became, 
acquaintances and friends at those camps. And yet we were, we were, we were so competitive and, and, uh, it was great pulling guys from Wichita and all around the region to those camps. And, and, you know, you had, you know, three, 400 guys there and, and, um, you know, that helped make basketball in Kansas that good at that, at that time. And of course, you know, you looked at, you know, Wichita at that time was loaded. You, you had the Greg Drylings, the Aubrey Sherrods, the Ricky Rosses and all those. I mean, that, that's, that city was loaded, but yeah, the, uh, you know, the old McPherson, Salina, Hutch, Manhattan, all those guys had, had, had players and great, great coaches and quick story fits. And I don't know if you know this, one of my assistants, Stephen Gentry is married to, uh, Denny Walgren's daughter, oh, Leah. Get out. get out. No. And, and Stephen and I were, got, got hooked up. I hired him at, at the SFA. He'd been with the Miami heat and the, uh, he's originally from Fort Scott, but he had been, uh, at, uh, Texas A&M. And uh, Leah was was Mark Turgeon's administrative assistant, and they got married, came to SFA, and then uh, he went to Oklahoma State with me, and then and then left and went back to Gonzaga. He he played at Gonzaga and uh, spent the last two years back at uh, at Gonzaga, and then I hired him back a year ago. So I get to see I get to see see Denny a lot. He comes to a lot of our practices and and uh, and games. And what was funny about that was. My wife Susan was his student helper in PE back in the back in the day. So what a small <laughs> world! That's amazing. Uh, to fill people in, uh, you went to McPherson. I went to Salina Central. Susan went to Salina Central, and Denny Walgren was the basketball coach at Central. Uh, yep. And won a state title in '83, the year after we graduated, with a losing record. He, he, yes, he finished the season with a losing record. He ripped through the state championships the 5a and and his team which was vastly undersized beat greg dryling at seven feet in wichita cape mount carmel it was an incredible story yes it is and uh but just what a small world and how it all all revolves around you know basketball and and salina central and to add to that then my college roommate and teammate played at central under all those guys and and his mother was my wife Susan's tennis coach Sealmuff yeah. was the tennis coach at Central, so it's 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 really a an unbelievable set of coincidences and and what a small world. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we've all come together because of basketball. You know, I look back at my youth and and now I as I get older, I, I realize that the type of basketball I appreciate, the brand of basketball I appreciate, and it doesn't run back to Jack Hartman coach it runs back to Ken Cochran at Marymount College in those Heart of America basketball camps that's the kind of basketball I really love they get after you on defense and they they get up and down the court a little bit well I mean you know and you live there I yeah. mean that was such a big deal I mean I can remember I can remember uh, my dad taking me over to, to a game in old Smoot Gym and, uh, you know, it was, it was unbelievable how talented they were. Um, you know, coach was a fiery, uh, guy on the sideline and, but teams played hard and, you know, I mean, he transcended that into his camps. I mean, you know, the world's most enthusiastic camp. And I mean, 
you had guys in camp taking charges and diving on the floor for loose balls. And if you were, you know, a spectator and, you know, the officials, coaches blew the whistle, you had to stand up and clap. And, you know, you think about the discipline of roll call, you know, every, every night. And, uh, you know, you had to, they'd announce your team and you had to jump up and act like you were fired up. And if you weren't all together, then you had to do a suicide. And, uh, there was nothing wrong with that, man. That was, that, that, that was awesome. That's what made that those camps. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how much fun it was staying overnight in Marion hall with no air conditioning in the <laughs> middle of July. But we always, I always tell the story where Kevin Muff and there was, and Jeff Gio, Jeff played at Kansas was from Chanute. Yeah. We were, we were in a room together and uh, we had one other guy in there and we would all go, wrap up in our sheets, wet them, jump in the shower and wet them. And then we would jump back in bed in hopes that we could go to sleep. And we would turn and we, you know, we were young guys. We weren't smart enough to figure out. We turned fans on trying to stay cool, but we figured, you know, we were smart enough to figure out that dried out the sheet and we got hotter quicker, but Oh yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, you can see those memories, those memories were, um, a big part of my life and, and basketball was fun and it was, it was competitive and fiery and absolutely. There was, there was a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of good things come out of that. And McPherson, Kansas was the the little version of the state of Indiana in Kansas back then. It was basketball was the Bible in McPherson, Kansas. Yeah, we had, you know, for a town of 12, 13,000, Fitz, we always had so many gyms. We had gyms available. You know, we had McPherson College there, Central College, uh, the YMCA, which the YMCA was just legendary for for their noon ball games. And, you know, it was the older guys, and, and the older guys took tremendous pride in kind of teaching us younger guys. And and then we had a community building and that had a gym and, and a couple of nights two, three nights a week, everybody would bring a dollar to pay for the rent and there'd be 30 guys in there. And I mean, if you lost, you were done. And, and we would have guys from Lindsburg drive over the small towns and, and play and, and, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the great guys and, and guys in their you know late twenties and early thirties, you know, that were living in town would, would come in there and play. And I mean, just uh, unbelievable memories and, and the college guys would come in. So it was, it was a town that was, uh, very much driven by basketball and the roundhouse was a great place to play. And everybody came out on a Tuesday and Friday night and, and, uh, filled that place. And it was, uh, it, it was, uh, what drove my passion for basketball to be, to, to be very honest. Yeah. I bet you if I walked in the roundhouse today, it would be half the size I remember it being. Yes. And, and now this is terrible because my mom still lives in in McPherson and and I don't get back enough, but, um, I went back, um, it's been a couple of years now and spoke at graduation and I had not been in the roundhouse since they remodeled it. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was amazing. And it was just such a different feel, uh, than, than what I remembered it. And of course they've added on to McPherson high school and, and uh, uh, so some of the things were different, but it was still awesome just to, to stand down there on the court and, and um, uh, be back in that building. But, yeah, it's 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 not near as big as it uh, as you probably remember it. That was giant. 
It was yeah. It was just such a cool facility and the tournaments and golly, what a what great memories. The McPherson, the McPherson Invitational, I can remember, and Wichita Heights always used to come. And, of course, they had, you know, the cars, Antoine Carr, and then Darnell Valentine before that, and, and Aubrey Sherrod. And, I mean, just great, great players. And, and um, you know, we would we would uh, have some epic battles in there um, over the course of, of, of that tournament. But, yeah, it was – my dad would let me get out of school, and I could go sit in there all day and watched the first game as a kid. And, and I was always so excited for the, for the McPherson invitational. That was a big deal yeah. in McPherson, Kansas. It really was, buddy. It's been great, man. I, I love it. I, I love that you're doing so well. I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just proud of you, man. I'm really, we've been well, I, a long, long time. Well, it's, it's always good to reconnect with, uh, with friends that go back to your childhood and, and, and to see what you've done and, and at, at, at our university. And I say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud wildcat and, and always will be. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it's been, I've been very blessed along the way and to be around a lot of good people and a lot of them, you know, and so it's, it's always fun to get on and chat about those old relationships and old haunts and, and, and old, uh, and, and old friends. So uh, I've been very appreciative. And speaking of overlapping, Kent Brown there at Illinois. And yes. Back, one of the best softball players I've ever played with. Really? Oh. I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to dive in and ask Kent that he's a uh, hammer the ball. I, I see. I under, I bet, I bet, you know, and, and uh, now he was there Right about the time I think Bill came in, is that correct? Boy, I can't remember. It's all a blur. Yeah. It's been a long time. I mean, he, yeah, it's he was young. Let's put it that way. He was young yeah. when he was here. He's yeah, not, he had, he's like us. He's not young anymore. Yeah, and he heads up uh, our communications and uh, does a does a great great job and has been here actually been here a long time now. So, but uh, yeah, I'll have to ask him about his uh, his softball days. Yeah. Well, uh, hug Susan for me. Tell her I love her, and I say hi. And uh, and if you're back in these parts, let's have a beer. Absolutely, and stay safe. And uh, and my best to back. And hope hope uh, everybody in Wildcat Land's doing great. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, see you if it's back. I've never hidden the fact that I wanted Brad to become Kansas State's head coach. But life had other plans, and I suspect he will be in Champaign for a very long haul, and that's great for him and his family. And it will be great to see him and Susan as soon as Becky and I can. Brad has heard this from me before, and probably so have you. Men over 45, go get your PSA scored so you don't have to deal with prostate cancer like me. That's a simple message. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.